Welcome to the podcast. We talk about all the things that are hidden in the shadows. This is Isaac. This is Megan. And I almost forgot to do the intro. Oh my gosh. I was like, wait, what do I say? Oh, okay. His brain is somewhere else today. Anyway. Um, yeah, so um, I don't have any haunted updates to me. So I was fighting, apparently, um, some dark entities that are trying to get to our home. Yeah. No, it's just the same old, same old kind of thing. <laughs> like, there, there's just stuff. Oh, I did have, like, I feel like a level up. Uh, dun, 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 dun. Yeah, I think I hit that threshold. Um, for anybody that doesn't like, like, that's like awakening, kind of going to spirituality, there's, or abilities, there's like a threshold you pass. Ooh, sorry, I don't know what that Get on me about burping. No, I was not a burp. I don't even know what that was. That was like my stomach saying, help me, or something. I don't know. (laughs) Anyways, um, but there's like a threshold, I feel like, where you don't have as much fear as before, and I think I kind of hit that, plus I kind of made some waves, in a sense, with my dreams, Um, basically connecting my higher self to my conscious mind. And yeah, not really like a haunted update, but like I feel like I leveled up, so I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, um, we recently I did a live with uh, Mike, mm-hmm. um, where you uh, no quarter paranormal, um, which we did a live through no quarter paranormal. So if you want to go and watch that, uh, we posted it on the page so you can hear the conversation he had and we had about, um spirituality when it comes to investigating and protection yeah um but today we go to my homeland we go to haunted mexico yeah yeah yes which they have some pretty interesting i i don't know if it's like because the history is like rich down there like you have the aztec stuff now we kind of had episode previously where we kind of talked about ghost stories from mexico and stuff like that yeah lords and legends lords and legends yeah so this is kind of mostly is cryptoid kind of we were going at too yeah yeah, I would say so. Um, and obviously La Llorona. Yeah. That was like a main focal point. Um, well, funny enough, a point that I didn't make last time, that mm-hmm. realization came to me later when I was going mm-hmm. through stuff about uh, this. And thinking about my heritage and thinking about, I guess, me growing up a kid. And something I didn't realize until after someone said it, is that if you tell a ghost story to to Mexicans, right? Well, let's say older ones. When I was a kid, it was probably more likely. But even my age and older, um, they're most likely to believe what you're saying. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe yeah. it. Like, sometimes they even have parts of the house where they don't go to because uh, they think a, a ghost is there and stuff like that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, I remember there was a bathroom at the end of the hall in my grandmother's house. Mm-hmm. Now, if you remember when we I were there. I know exactly where. That hall at the end of the hall, right? I was scared shitless to go down there. Really? I don't know because it was dark or anything like that, but... well, No, wh- I could... I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. When I was an adult, I mean, I used it now and then, but I was a kid. I was afraid to go in there. Well, I found out I was reading an article because, like, I I tend to, look read random things and watch random TikTok videos and whatever, and um, I was watching... You're right there? Yeah, sorry. Um, what was I going to say? I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. You're watching? I was watching a video about portals and how for like the connection between bathroom mirrors and portals, like how it's easily created into a portal. 
I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe because I don't know why. We dealt with that at the library. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. And like, I've had where like my siblings have seen weird stuff in bathrooms. Our bathroom was weird in Spring Branch when we lived there. Um, I was always scared of the current house that we live in now. The hall bathroom that we use. That that one always freaked me out. This room and that that bathroom. Mm. So anyway, um, uh, before we get into talking about some legend or haunted Mexico's, uh, a, a, a bragging thing. Speaking of Mexico, and one of the things the most Mexicans are known for is spicy, spicy food and stuff like that. Um, I tried the one chip challenge thing. Oh, you did? Yeah. Um, not as bad as I thought it would be. And most people, I mean, it was funny is that the guy at work, he, he bought them and he wanted to know if I could, I could eat it. I was like, what have you tried? It's like, no, I don't like hot stuff. They're like, why did you get it then? It's like, oh, just cause I wanted to see if other people would try it. <laughs> anyway. So I'm like, people talk about it just being hot and stuff like that. So I, I tried it like the whole chip, which is basically a big one corn tortilla chip. And as is it, it, yeah, it was hot. Right. But I've had spicy stuff before. One thing. It tastes like crap. Okay. Oh my god! It just tastes awful. That's the one thing I remember anything from anymore. Is it just tasting terrible mm. and being hot? Like not a flavorful, spicy, just like straight up like tastes like cardboard and like wood clippings or something. Mm. I don't know. And but yeah, it was hot and it. I'd say affected. You know, I kind of like burned like my my forehead a little bit. I was like a sunburn. Forehead? I don't know why, but <laughs> but yeah, I survived and no problem. Though my uh. My boss, uh, or my boss's boss, came in. Mm-hmm. I think he was just checking out the store or whatever. And uh, he tried it. And, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> His eyes were tearing up and everything. Like, oh, man. And remember he asked one of the employees to go get him, uh, like, some milk, right, from uh, next door because he had McDonald's right next to us. Mm-hmm. So he could, like, cut, like, you know, fight it back because milk's, like, the ultimate thing against yeah. fighting the spiciness, right? <laughs> and I made the joke or joke. It's like he needs some milk. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but um, yeah, something to brag about. I did it with no problem. Because yeah. he was looking at me like, "You're not affected by this." Like, hey, I wouldn't be a good Mexican if I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but or if I was. Um, but yeah, it's so moving on to uh, topic of today. Yeah. Now, um, I guess the first thing I want to talk about is something that I uh, try to look into. Well, I didn't actually start looking into after started learning more about my heritage and the fact that I'm well technically half indigenous to Mexico, you know, the whole continent area. And mostly Aztec. Yeah. So I wanted to know if there was any Aztec lores when it comes to supernatural, and of course there is. But uh specifically uh the god of the underworld, right? They're essentially their devil, but it's, he's, he's not seen as an evil figure. He's almost seen like a ruler of the underworld. Mm. But he's it's not just a guy. It's uh, him and his wife. And they rule equally. Uh, Mitteklan and Mitteka. Mm-hmm. Right? Mitteka, I think, is the female. Um, or vice versa. Either one. Anyway. Um, they rule together equally. And funny enough... One of the main topics I want to talk about today is the day of the Muertes, the day of the dead, mm. right? What the holiday is and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Funny enough, day of the dead is a celebration of Mateka. It's mm. her uh, holiday. Yeah. 
right? And the lore behind the Day of the Dead is that it's a day uh, in November. Um, I'm trying to remember the exact date. I know it's November. I think this is the day right after Halloween. Like November yeah, 1st. November 1st and 2nd, the day right after Halloween. Um, and it was celebrated in Mexico, of course. But Catholics, when they came in, basically tried to, you know, say the Aztecs can't believe in their religion anymore about their pantheon of their, their Aztec gods, called it All Saints Day. With oh. the same idea in mind, but most Mexicans rejected it and they just called it Day of Muertes. But yeah, it's held November 2nd. It's a multi-day holiday it involves family and friends gathering to pray and remember uh, family members and friends they lost. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's not seen as a day of mourning, it's almost a day of celebration. And uh, if you remember the movie Coco. Yeah. That, which that's a really good yeah. kids movie. It's like one of those ones that as an adult you have to see. Now it's on the whole premise of the Day of the Dead. Right? So. But yeah. And the whole concept of Dia de Muertes is, yeah, like I said, to celebrate Day of the Dead and stuff like that and to remember. Because apparently it is in lore that if someone who died and passed away, if they are no longer remembered, they uh, cease to exist in the afterlife. And hence why the Day of the Dead was kind of created. Um, and I think the lore behind Mateka being at her holiday is that she allows spirits to travel from the underworld to our world on that day as celebration of her as thanks for allowing their relatives to come visit. Mm. So I think it's that the reason behind that is. But one thing I want to do for one thing in my life is go to Mexico during Days of Witness. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there's small celebrations in San Antonio and Texas and stuff like that and other, you know, Hispanic, heavy Hispanic populated areas. But in Mexico, that's like the top thing. Like you saw a brief of it in, uh, was it uh, James Bond? Uh, I think it was Spectre. Yeah, with the opening scene where he's in Mexico at the time during Days of Muertes, and you see how big like the parades are and everything like that. It's really cool. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if you want to go. Yeah, well, yeah, it would be something cool to experience. I mean, it's another culture. Plus, it's part of you. So I yeah, but I'm just as <laughs> I guess I learn Spanish would be lost down there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'll be able to blend in, but other from that, like they ask me a question, I'm like, uh, "Sorry, there, Bucko, I don't know uh, what you're saying." <laughs> yeah, no, there's uh, one story, and I actually came across it before we even did research, and it was it popped up quite a bit. Like, I want to say at the beginning of, like, when TikTok started, kind of like when it moved away from just like dance videos to like actually giving people information. And I remember I stumbled upon this video talking about, um, I'm probably going to butcher the name, but, because this is in Spanish, mm. but La Pascualita. La Pascualita. No, I think you're actually wrong. La Pascualica. There's no T in there. Yeah, it is. That's how they spell it. There's a T in there? Yeah, Pascualita. I don't know. You're asking a guy who doesn't speak Spanish. Pascualita. So. <laughs> <laughs> Pascualita. Maybe it's like more like Qualita. Yeah, because I was in the Q in there. Pascualita. Pascualita, yeah. I don't know. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> um, But I don't know what it is about humans mixed with mannequins freak me the F out. Like, or you know, human-looking mannequins. You know like how like clowns freak certain people out, like really freak them out? Mm. 
mannequin human things do that to me. So whenever we went to a wax museum? No, a wax museum because they look like figures. But when like the mannequin passes over, like I don't know if anybody remembers that story too, like about that mannequin, like alien thing woman that was in the ER, like came in the ER. Oh, and, like, the, the expressionless. Out. Yeah, no, 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 yeah. no, no. I saw that picture and I like I wanted to vomit. Anyways. For some reason, like it just it gave me such bad feelings, and um, this was a s- similar, but um, so this is like about like the background behind it. So, um, this is in Chihuahua, Mexico. What? It's just funny hearing you say it, like uh, Mexican places. I don't know. Hey, <laughs> um. And this is the thing that blew my mind. I didn't even know it. I knew, I thought this was like something recent, like maybe in the 90s that this like popped up. No, this mannequin human thing looking thing, um, appeared in the bridal store's window on March 25th, 1930s. Um, apparently like the mannequin drew people in, um, and it wasn't even like the bridal gown that she was wearing. They all, the people that like passed the shop would get freaked out by her incredibly detailed face, complete with wide set eyes and thick voluminous lashes. Real hair and blushed cheeks made her seem real. Her hands have been crafted with intricate detail. And this is another like creepy part about it. Her legs even had varicose veins, a feature that normally is not included with store mannequins. Um, and this is even creepier. It was a combination of the physical resemblance and timing that sparked rumors back in 1930s. Locals couldn't help but comment on the uncanny similarities between the mannequin and the daughter of the shop owner at the time. Pasquala Esparza? Who had been fatally what? Hey. Okay. I think it's cute, that's why. No, oh my gosh. (laughs) Um, who had been fatally bitten by a black widow spider on her wedding day. That sucks. Yeah. Could you imagine like, oh my god, this is the greatest day of my life and then bit by a spider and died. Like a spider, out of all things. Yeah. Anyways, um, this alongside the fact that the mannequin had been installed in the sh- in the shop window very soon after the daughter's passing made locals wonder if the mannequin was actually her embalmed corpse. Over the years, additional rumors circulated, including one about a French musician visiting her at night who made her come to life before taking her around town. So that's just like a, a legend about it. Um... Many people feel unnerved by the mannequin's presence, with some stating that her eyes follow customers around the store as they browse the bridal wear. Others claim to have turned around and seen the mannequin in a different position than before. Even some of the store employees are spooked out by her, including Sonia. I'm not even going to try and pronounce the last name because I will butcher it. Mm-hmm. Uh, who changes the mannequin's bridal gown twice a week. She says, every time she goes near her, my hands break out in a sweat. Her hands are very realistic and even has varicose veins on her legs. I truly believe she's a real person. So when you look at it, it's, it's, and it, 
to be in the 1930s and look how it looks. I don't know. Like, I really don't. I don't know. Like, could it be like half mannequin, half actual like human parts? I don't know if that's possible. I feel like I would want to know like a person's like opinion that like works on like in a morgue or something like that or, or more is a mortician that can like, cause I, I feel like even in, I don't know the whole embalming situation, like exactly how long it lasts and like all of that. But then, then again, can't they, can they like do like taxidermy, but like on humans? Yes. Um, it's oh, legal. yeah, because there, there was a woman that did that to her son. I remember reading about that. No, it's, it's illegal to taxidermy human corpses, uh, mainly because it's uh, desecration of corpses. I think it's the law or something like that. Some countries in the world might get away with it, but uh, here in America, we don't. Um, and a lot yeah. of other countries, too. It's seen as, like, desecration of corpses and stuff like that. Unless you, like, I don't know, get, like, signed paperwork from your relative to allow you to do that, then, yeah. Anyway. Um or a spouse or something. But no, I've heard that story before, like a while ago. Mm-hmm. And um and someone who's embalmed, you know, mm-hmm. ask me how I know this. I think I watched a movie on uh, about a mortician or something. I can't yeah. remember it. it had Liam Nielsen and Christina Ricci. I can't name the name of the movie. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you basically take out your organs and anything that could rot, essentially. And organs go by first when it comes to rotting. That's where you rot from the outside mm-hmm. or inside out. And they basically embalm you with this fluid to keep you preserved. Now, it doesn't keep you preserved for like ever, but yeah, longer than normal because you need to look alive ish for your funeral when people see you and stuff yeah. like that. All right. Um, and I don't know how many funerals you've been to. Have you? Actually, I've been to one. And it wasn't like anybody close to me. It was, uh, I went with my aunt to someone she worked with and was close with her baby died. Like she had been born and it was like maybe two or three months and she died. Um, and we went there. That was weird. I remember. Dude, uh, it, yeah, it was weird because it was an open casket. That's well, not. <laughs> oh, I know. I've been to well, I mean, I've had a couple of funerals, but only two that I ever, ever got close to the casket. Like enough to see the person inside. It was my grandfather and my uh, my friend um, uh, David, and it's strange is what they what the morticians do to keep people looking alive because it literally looks like he's asleep. Looked like if I could poke him, he'd wake up. An expressionless face, right? Mm-hmm. Um, granted, if you touch him, it's cold. Like there's no there's no heat from him. Which I felt I felt weird because like like I wanted. Like to grab my grandfather's hand, but I was just like, eh, I don't want to. Yeah. And with David, I I just I passed by and you know I walked past the, the coffin. I'll see. You. I said, I'll see you again, brother. And that was that was it. But um, yeah, I was sixteen, and then my grandfather, I was like twenty something. I don't know. Anyway, but that, that's my most member when it comes to that. So in that in a case like that, when it comes to like um, embalming to keep them alive, I mean, should be pale, which they described her as being mm-hmm. pale, but. Uh, to keep her alive that that long, or keep her preserved, looking that long, if it's a real person, he would literally have to change the embalming bombing fluid consistently to try to keep the organs uh, alive, or put some other kind of chemical to keep the skin looking the same. But that's what I was thinking. I don't know. I don't know what kind of stuff is out there because I've never done like research on it. But like, if it's like half mannequin, half human, like some of the that's pe- the that's like the urban legend behind it is that it's really her. 
and he does some kind of thing to keep her alive, whether a curse or some kind of like witchcraft or something, because he wasn't unwilling to let his daughter go, right? And that's why he always has her in wedding dresses. How she was last time we saw her, right? (laughs) Fun fact about like people, like dead people though. Um, I took a lot of criminal classes in high school and I took a forensic science and I also took like criminal justice and I never knew this. Did you know that like when people find dead bodies, they have to be careful because literally the methane gas trapped in the organs can blow a person up. Oh yeah. Like if dead bodies are left like to basically rot, like someone dies in their home and no one checks them for weeks. (laughs) Right, they come to the house. It's gonna stink for one, but the body's gonna be like expanded around the stomach and like chest area. Yeah, and if you poke that and it explodes on you, it's fucking poisonous. Yeah, or like acid, like it burn your skin. Yeah, no, it's bad. So when know. I come, that's why I try to drain your fluids beforehand, so you don't do that. <laughs> anyway, I got one for you. Yeah. Right. Um, it's a, a scary urban legend amongst the many there in Mexico. Um. El Torero Fantasma, mm. which I think it means the ghost of the truck driver or trailer. Anyway, um, the story basically is one day a truck driver up in Sindia got a call from his wife that she was in labor. So, you know, um, he quickly headed down La Marusma uh, to be her by, by her side. So basically he's rushing over there. Unfortunately, Marusma has many dangerous bumps and curves. So... Um, he had a fatal car crash. Legend has it the truck driver, a ghost, uh, isn't aware he's passed. So it's kind of like a residual haunt, and it sounds like that. Um, his soul, it basically is tied to, or it tries consistently to get to his wife, but he's stuck at the crash site. Oh, man. So the story goes is that, uh, that people that pass, or people passing by La Marusa are stopped by a desperate man who, who, who just, uh, sorry, whose car just crashed and is trying to get to his wife and his newborn. The man uh, gives people who stop him, you know, money so they can get, give him a ride to see his wife. Um, those people can't explain it, but they feel a great deal of compassion and determination to track down his wife and deliver the money. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, can you take the money to my wife and stuff like that? And, you know, stuff like that. Um, so the good the good Samaritans deliver the money to the wife with tears in her eyes as she introduces them. To her son, horrified that people see that the son isn't a newborn. In fact, he wasn't uh, that he wasn't a man that had just helped him, but a dead man's spirit who had been dead for several years. So Dang. they find out the kid's like old, older. Dang. Yeah. So um, that's the legend behind that, which uh, I forgot what it just reminded me of. Yeah, that's right. There is this uh, highway. And and near near where I lived in Blanco, Texas, uh, it was the highway you took to get to San Marcos, and it was the fastest way from Blanco to San Marcos. And the road was called the Devil's Backbone, and it was called the Devil's Backbone because it was high up mm-hmm. in a mountain range area, which big hills, but yeah, and it was very close to a, a cliffside that kept going off, right? Like literally, highway you got maybe three or four feet, and then cliffside fall off, right? And it was very windy. Hella turns, hella windy going through this mountain pass. And people died on that highway all the time. Like every year to be a death. And, and, and funny enough, in my year of high school, we had two different kids die on that on that highway by sliding off the side of the, oh my 
gosh. the road. And I mean, there was always like petitions and stuff like to try to get the highway, like not closed, but like rebuilt and maybe expanded. So even if you drive off the side of the road or hit a guardrail, you're not going to slide off an entire cliffside. Yeah. But, you know, local governments don't want to spend the money. So whatever. But if you drive down it safely, it's no problem. And I, I remember going down the highway a couple of times. I don't really have much need to go to San Marcos, but yeah. Um, another place that I kind of found out about, there's like a lot of like weird, like abandoned places that literally they had weird stuff happen and they just kind of like dropped the construction and stuff like that. But one place is, uh, Posada, Posada del Sol. Don't look at me weird. No, <laughs> stop. Um, it's located in Mexico City, Mexico. Um, and it was basically the idea they wanted this like extravagant hotel. Um, the creator behind it, uh, was Fernando Galvan, who poured his blood, sweat, and tears into the hotel in the mid 20th century in a failed attempt to create a unique artistic center in, in Mexico City that would stand as one of the most extravagant hotels in the world. Um, so he, Basically used modern, um, influence, colonial architect, um, Posada del Sol occupies more than half a block, encompassing gardens, patios, fountains, terraces, massive paintings, and elevated viewpoints. More than 600 rooms were built. Um, Galvan adored the property and he added a casino a theater, a gorgeous chapel, ballrooms, galleries, tea rooms, Turkish baths, and a human-sized chessboard. Um, unfortunately, external factors got the better of him, and construction on Posada del Sol was completely suspended at the beginning of 1945. And his debt basically rose. He hung himself in the hotel yard. Yeah. Uh, legend has it. He cursed the building before taking his life, which is why it still stands empty to today. So that's a lot of years that it, um. Sounds like a place we need to go. Oh my gosh. Um, one explanation for basically the hotel's demise was that Galvan went insane and murdered his family just before opening the cultural center. Mm. Others believe that Galvan got into deep water, uh, deep water. Oh my gosh. Deep water. Wait till you hear this. Deep water with Freemasons. And that the project was all a facade. What kind of word is that? <laughs> a ba- Basically a, a place to perform satanic oh. uh, rituals. Sorry. I've never seen a word like that was a weird like they even have weird like punctuation around it. Hmm. Um. So one of the most eerie features of the abandoned masterpiece is a dark room that basically they believe houses an altar of a missing girl who was found dead in the hotel's basement. And that's who they think is another ghost that like haunts the place. Um, people that have been there, even though I think it's, you can't like investigate it. It's like illegal to like you're trespassing if you do it. Um, but some people obviously have said, you know, freaked out, we're going to go investigate. And so they went in there anyways, 
And they're basically offering wise, they place candy on the girl's altar in order to escape the curse. Yeah, here we go. It's in, illegal to visit the inside of the hotel, um, but you can look at it from the outside. Um, and it's hard to get beyond the wired net and metal fences. Um, and it's located in front of a main road and government buildings. Mm. So that's interesting. So what? Freemasons. I didn't know Freemasons were even in Mexico. Everywhere, dude. Jeez. Everywhere. I well, mostly America, but I mean, I guarantee they made their way. Satanic rituals. <laughs> Stupid. I guarantee they made their ways in other countries and stuff like that. Yeah. There's another place that kind of was like that. Um, it's La Casa de los Duos. And it's basically, that means like the house of tubes. And the urban legend, <laughs> what? Well, you see it, it literally no. looks like toilet paper tubes into a house. No, I just, when you hear uh, English translations to Spanish, sometimes it doesn't, doesn't match up. Yeah. It, and it doesn't make like any sense when you hear it. And like, yeah. The house of tubes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, basically, it's an urban legend about a haunted house in Monterey, Mexico, I believe. Um, in Monterey, Mexico, there is a very famous legend about an abandoned building. Uh, the strange structure was built in the 1970s, but was never inhabited. Um, apparently, obviously, if you look at the bu- a picture of the building of the house of t- tubes, it looks to me, it looks like like a bunch of toilet paper tubes, like <laughs> um, together. It, it looks very unsafe, if that makes any sense. Um, from the outside, it looks like a set of gray concrete tubes standing on end, and the inside, the hallways are c- cylinder in shape. One side of the building, a series of ramps led to the upper floors. On the other side, the levels are connected by large stairs. So basically, in the legend, a wealthy couple who had a daughter. Who- who is paralyzed and the father basically wanted to create a special house where she could. Okay. So the house was built by a wealthy couple who had a daughter that was paralyzed. And the idea behind it was basically that the father wanted to create a special house that was custom made for his disabled daughter. It was designed with ramps leading from one floor to another to allow her to move freely on her own in the wheelchair. The man hoped it would give his daughter the feeling that she wasn't disabled at all. So the construction began and the young girl seemed super excited at the idea that, you know, like she would be living in a house that she could move around in freely. She wouldn't have to rely on, you know, people. Um, she asked her her father to take her to the building. On the day the girl went to see the house, two of the architects who had designed it suffered a terrible accident and were killed by falling concrete. It gets worse. Mm. Uh, the con- uh, the construction crew refused to continue working on it. Uh, the family managed to hire another group of builders to finish the house, and the girl wanted to go back to check on them. She was testing out the ramps, going up and down from one floor to the next. Her parents took their eyes off her for just a minute, and the wheelchair suddenly started to slide backwards down the ramp. She wasn't able to stop herself, and her wheelchair came hurtling down the ramp, going too fast. She went flying out the open window and fell to her death. 
I mean, I kind of want to laugh because it's like funny, but I, it's I know not it's not funny. I know it just it's because it's so like like ridiculous that it, it seems funny. I don't yeah, know. It's but like yeah, a, that's terrible. Well, yeah, like some yeah. of these deaths, you're like, dang, because it's it's the spider bite mannequin lady. It's um, yeah, it's crazy. Um, so basically, after that, the parents were like, "No, I can't. We're not doing this." Um. So they couldn't live in the property. Um, so the construction was immediately stopped and never to resume again. Years later, the half-finished building was put on the market. But not a lot of buyers were interested. One wealthy family went to see the House of Tubes and brought their young son with them. While they surveyed the lower levels, the boy went upstairs alone to explore. Mm-hmm. A few minutes later, they heard their son screaming. When they looked up, they saw him struggling with a little girl. As they watched in horror, the little girl grabbed their son and tossed him out of the window. The boy landed on the ground below with a sickening thud. The young girl was nowhere to be found. After this terrible tragedy, the authorities fenced off the land. It was no longer available to the public. And they say the house is cursed and is haunted by the ghosts of the two children who died there. It is said at night the horrible sound of a young girl weeping can be heard and the ghostly apparition of a young boy had been spotted playing in the entrance. Some people claim to have seen a young girl standing at the open window of one of the open floors waving as passengers went by. Past buyers went by, sorry. So that's, um... Like I know it's it's it's, it's a that's terrible story. Brutal. Like, that's brutal. Yeah. Like, but something I guess, um, something that I guess that theory because you know, we're coming close to the end here. And now that we don't have more stories to tell, we just there's so many. Yeah. But I guess a uh, a theory or conclusion because I always have those at the end of our episodes. Um, reason why I believe Mexico is haunted as much as it is, right? The whole mm-hmm. area is because the majority of the people believe. I'm not saying America is its lack of haunted places. No, I'm not. Mexico is, is generally their high places of hauntedness. You gotta remember too, the Aztecs saw sacrificing people. Oh yeah, that, that will. A lot, and they did it all the time to appease the gods. And they believed that if they did not sacrifice people, the world would end. Mm-hmm. Hence why they did it all the time, every single day. And, to people that would be chosen to do so, some people thought it was a great honor to be sacrificed. Um, and sometimes they would capture uh, villagers outside to do so and stuff like that. So some people went unwilling and some people did go willing, right? Yeah. I mean, it's old barbaric practice that no longer exists, but they were the only ones that ever do sacrifices, at least human ones anyway. The Vikings did it. Other cultures around the world did it, right? So yeah. it's kind of a universal thing, but the Aztecs believed they had to do it every single day, right? Mm. Um. So you think about that pile of bodies that have been sacrificed over time. All those people that might be still stuck there. Um, and then it, it, it like, well, the other place that I can think of that's that much, and currently right now that believes in ghosts and that supernatural and stuff like that, uh, is probably Japan with, uh, their belief in, in the afterlife and stuff like that when it comes to ghosts, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mexico, like my grandmother, right? She, like, she never did anything supernatural nor believing because she was like very Catholic. But the only 
I guess the witchy thing she ever did was a Santa Santa Rita Rana, right? Oh, yeah. Put yeah. the egg in her hand and put it into the, the, the bed and everything like that. I mean, she did it to me one time when I was a kid when I was sick or yeah. something. And I came <laughs> here my mom saying, why? Why is she doing that? My dad's like, okay, it makes her feel okay, right? <laughs> <laughs> but um, when it comes to Mexican lores and legends and stuff like that, there's an extensive amount because of they're consistently told. These stories are never forgotten. Yeah. Over time, they're always passed down. They're always told, like La La Runa, right? That story goes back a long time ago, but it's still yeah. told today. Yeah. Same for Chupacabra, right? Um, Cucuy was essentially a Spanish word for boogeyman, yeah. right? So these things were used as scare tactics amongst most Hispanic children to keep you in line, right? Yeah. Especially at night when you need to go to sleep. But. Uh, that's like I guess that's my main theory why I believe Mexico is so haunted is because the stories are never forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have some more story? Yeah, I have an encounter story. So oh. I came upon this one I thought was kind of like creepy. Um, so this is an experience story about a biker from San Antonio, Texas that basically experiences down in Mexico. Um, this experience story was basically retold on a blog website called Texas Less Traveled, and they were basically interviewing the guy. Um, so this is their, like, their retelling of it. So, yes. Uh, a man, middle-aged would be my guess, with a raspy voice, was on the other end of the phone. He claimed to be a lifelong biker from San Antonio area, who said he had spent the last few months bumping around across the Mexican border. He wanted to know if I had planned to republish a story that appeared in last year's parade about road gremlins. Mm. Probably not, I explained. I might use it again in the future. Did you want a copy of the article? I assume that was the purpose of his call. No came no came the response from the raspy voice. You might like to hear this little story. There was a long pause on the other end of the phone. The, air, the hour was late, and I wasn't that interested in his story. But what the heck? If it is made for good material, I was game. All right, let's hear it. Mildly interested, I reluctantly agreed that there was another pause. I'm not a nutcase, you know, he sounded sincere, but I spent that last several weeks shaking off a divorce. I spent some time in Mexico a number of years back, but I never taken the hog on a Mexican road trip, he said. For anybody that doesn't know that the hog is like a, the bike. <laughs> <laughs> no, because before I... Okay, I know. This is, this okay. is, this is, this is a weird say. Yeah. Wait, let's go take the hog out. Like, it's weird saying. Okay. The biker who chose not to reveal his identity said he headed towards Cabo where he knew a couple of people in parenthesis in exclamation points. So I wonder what that meant. Anyways, but wanted to take the long road there. He said he wanted to skirt Mexico City because of the traffic, but had always wanted to see the Aztec ruins north of the big city. A place he called, I don't even know what that is, Tiot? Teclacan? I don't know if this guy was, I don't know. Yeah. I knew the place. In fact, I had been there. I could understand why he would want to visit. It's rather magical. Once the epicenter of the Toltec civilization and later the Aztecs. Um, I'm not... Holy crap, I can't say this word. Teotihuacan? Teotihuacan is known as... I'm sorry, guys, if that's not in the room. <laughs> and I can't see what she's reading, so I can't see. <laughs> The City of the Gods. 
Its towering pyramids and broad and ancient avenues of stone are some of the Me- some of Mexico's most fabled landmarks. Central to the ancient ruins are the pyramids of the sun and the moon and a long and wide stone pathway called the Avenue of the Dead. I was getting interested in his story at this point. I told him that. Then if you've been there, you know the place is kind of creepy, and I recommend you don't go there at night, he offered. I prepared myself for what was to come. This place is a national historic park, and there's no access at night except for special tours held on special holidays. But Harley, who that's the name I gave the caller because I never got his real name, said he had arrived a short time before sunset. He said it cost me 20 bucks, and I was told I had less than an hour before the gates closed. They had a lot of guards posted there because looters had struck the site on past occasions. Once inside, the place is huge. I quickly got lost, and the hour passed too quickly, so I was technically still inside when the place closed down. He said I had seen I had seen a couple of guards walking around from a from a perch on one of the bigger pyramids, but I skirted them in hopes of staying a few more minutes before they kicked me out. That was a mistake. What happened next is a hard part to believe. I'm not a spooky kind of guy. I don't frighten easy and I don't believe in ghosts or monsters or anything like that. But like most everyone else, I do have a few superstitions. For one, I have a gremlin bell on my bike and another one that my ex gave me that I have attached to my key ring. I paid a local to watch my bike outside the front gate, but I have my keychain hooked to my belt when I went inside and I'm glad I did. I think it saved my life, to be honest. Harley sounded sincere. Look, here's the short of it. Sort of. Here's the short of it. The sun set in the mountains from the side of the pyramid and was climbing down the steep steps as twilight set in. It wasn't dark yet, but it was getting there. At the bottom, I rounded a corner of this giant pyramid and almost stumbled over three guys waiting there, just hanging out in this national park that was supposed to be closed. They weren't guards. That was obvious by the way they were dressed and the way they were acting, especially the big one. He seemed like the ringleader or something. Now, my Spanish isn't very good, but it isn't that bad either. And when the big guy spoke to me, I knew he was not speaking Spanish. I knew immediately these guys were up to no good. The other two were looking around nervously. I assumed they were watching for guard patrols that police the grounds when it's closed. But the big guy didn't seem concerned about anything. After a few more words in a language I have never even heard before, he spoke to me in Spanish. Not very good Spanish, but I understood what he said, or most of it. He wanted to know what I was doing there. I told him in Spanish that I was just taking in the sights, and then I lied to him when I said I was waiting on a few friends who were uh, late arriving. When he laughed, it almost sounded demonic. But he was the only one to laugh. His two companions looked as though they didn't like the sound of that laugh any more than I did. One was scowling and the other one looked frightened. That's when I began to realize I was going to have to fight my way out of this one. This guy meant no good at all, and I got to thinking about the small buck knife I had stashed in my bedroll right at the border the day before, wishing I still had it strapped to my belt. This was going to be nasty, I could tell, and I was in a bad place staring down those three desperados who looked like they, they, who looked that like they just as soon would kill me if they gave if I gave them the ch- time of day. I told them again in Spanish that they were making a mistake. I lied again and told them I had been robbed in Guadalajara. I know this word Guadalajara, 
the day before and that I didn't have any cash or valuables. I didn't think they would buy it, but I was now hoping one of the guards with the rifles would come strolling along any minute and save my butt. What happened next was a surprise and it sent chills down my spine, literally. The big raspy guy, the straw boss, laughed at me with a weird kind of laugh. What makes you think we want your money, gringo? I want your soul, he said. Or blood, I'm not sure what, because something got lost in the translation. And admittedly, at this point, I was thinking of my best defensive posture and not really spending a whole lot of time of getting the words right. I knew I was facing a do-or-die situation there at the night as the night began to slip over the pyramids. The shadows of those big buildings were gone, replaced by the mystery of the night. It was technically still summer, but there was a chill to the mountain air and alarms were going off inside my head. I could actually hear the trembling in his voice as he recounted the story. This is the blogger guy. He was either an expert liar or something really strange had indeed happened to this guy in Mexico. I felt a ting of sympathy for him. What a terrible predicament he had himself in. Having spent a lot of time traveling across Mexico, I remember instances where I knew I had taken a turn to the wrong neighborhood or bar. When you're traveling alone, the odds are not in your favor when confronted with serious, even life-threatening circumstances. In Mexico, a lot of things could go wrong. If not from bandits, then from corrupt public officials, you learn quickly you got to watch who you trust. I encouraged him to go on. It was like a nightmare that had come true. Funny enough, all I could think about was my ride. What would happen to my Harley if if I was killed here in the mountains of central Mexico? Would anyone ever know the truth? Would justice ever be served? When you get backed up to a wall like that, a million thoughts race into your head. I thought about my family and friends. I thought about becoming one of those statistics. You hear about when another American just up and disappears, never to be heard from again. To be honest, those thoughts made me angry. They made me desperate. My mind raced with how I was going to protect myself from these three. The only thing I had on my, that had on me that was sharp and could be used as a weapon were my keys. I doubted that would help, but it was all I had. I, it gave me an idea as desperate as it may seem. I got very bold at that point and said something to the effect that we're messing with the wrong person. I told them my father had been powerful priest of a dark, very dark religion and he had given me the power to banish evil and to steal their power and banish them to hell. Which, what makes you say that? Like, <laughs> are these things human? Or you? Do you? Anyways, I laugh about it now that I think back on it. But when you're desperate, you say anything that comes to your mind to buy a little time. I was still hopeful the guards might be nearby and could help hear me yelling because now I was screaming at these guys, trying to appear fierce and dangerous. But the big guy just kept laughing. That's when I reached down and unhooked the keychain from my belt loop. I assumed a fighting position and grabbed the first couple of keys I could feel to use them like brass knuckles. But the little gremlin bell I carried with me hung down from the keychain and rang ever so quietly in the mountain air. The rest is history, dude. The big guy looked at the ringing bell and something came over his face. He looked confused, then angry. He snarled and turned his head like like the sight of the bell really bothered him. And the other two, they bolted into a run. Like, seriously. The big guy backed up to the pyramid steps and yelled at me, next time, you won't be so lucky. There, after a few story, 
there a few after-story details, but for the most part, that concluded the phone call from Harley. I have no idea whether his story was real or not, but if nothing else, the call made me wonder if carrying a gremlin belt might not be such a bad deal idea after all. You never know when a talisman, imaginary or not, might just come in ha- handy. What the hell is a gremlin bell? I don't know. But I thought that was an interesting... I've heard of he bells said, being used to entrapped or even uh, like cause dark entities pain and stuff like that. But never like a little bell, a gremlin bell would ward off something like that. And then, you know, what the hell are those oh, things? Oh, shoot. What? Okay, so I just looked it up. So it has a connection to like bikers. Oh. And it's a guardian bell is what they're calling it. Oh. And like like one has ride or die and has an eagle on it and it looks like a metal bell. It's just like a metal bell. So um reading off the internet. Yep. So basically it started as like a it says the gremlin bell is a gesture of kindness to a rider from someone who cares about them. So it could be transferred to another biker, but let me see. Oh wow, they carry a motor okay. The gremlin bell is a way to ward off spirits. It is said to work by capturing them in the hollow of the bell and infuriating them with the constant ringing until they release their hold and break free. Wow. So it's to protect bikers from entities. Mm. So it, you hear gremlin bell, but it's not an actual like gremlin, like what you think. Like, yeah. I was thinking like these guys were getting ready to turn into <laughs> like <laughs> creatures of some sort. Um, yeah. I went off to fly there. I didn't read that story before. I was like, I don't know. I started reading it. A little bit, and then I was like, "Oh no, this sounds pretty interesting. I'm gonna put this in there." Um, some of them have like some of these bells, like it's it's specific to you. Like there's one that has like a, a guardian wolf head on it. Um, there's some Celtic stuff, one with Celtic stuff. There's Nordic type bells that have like bells. Um, so like I need to add another weapon to my repertoire. It's interesting. Yeah. Anywho. Yeah, so that's Yeah. Dang. Um <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm sorry guys, I know that was a long one, but I thought that was really like interesting. And that shows too like people that are in the paranormal that are like bloggers and podcasters and YouTubers and stuff like that. When people send you in encounter stories you never know what you're gonna get like i've had some people that have told me stories and i'm like oh what the hell Mm. yeah so and the guy too was gonna pass up on it so he's gonna be i don't want to hear his story but then his story was like damn Mm. i don't know that makes me think like what the heck were they you know what they do dark entities he said the laugh was but then like they were trying to intimidate him but like what could they really do could they kill him? Could they have killed him? I said you take your soul. If they wanted your blood, um, so the word so, soul was used, like dead a soul, like something like that. 
Um, soul and soul in Spanish are spelled differently, but they mean the same thing. Yeah. Right? Spirit, essentially like that. But if you didn't hear the word soul, you heard something else. I understand blood. Blood made me think like they want this blood and they're vampires or something. Mm. Yeah. But I don't know why Bella Yeah, because the way, um, the way he like described it was like they were, they were human. So I don't. I don't know. I don't know. That's an odd one. Yeah, yeah. I thought that would put you in a little bit of a doze. <laughs> well, maybe you're looking, looking into bells now. But even if the story wasn't true, you know, there's some specificness behind them. Yeah. But then it goes to, to my theory that why Mexico is haunted as it is. But uh, vampires are a whole other uh, <laughs> yeah. subject, even though we talked about it before. But um, probably should do a second part. Yeah, uh, there's even an Archangel Michael. Bell. Guardian Bell. That's insane. Which, actually, um, speaking of bells, leads me to, uh, I guess, the topic for next week. Mm-hmm. Sound. Yeah. Now, I know we did an episode of music, right? Mm-hmm. But I want to talk specifically about paranormal sounds. Yeah. Um, also involving hertz, um, frequencies, binaural beats, and stuff like that, and how certain specific sounds can trigger someone into a trance, help people with through meditation, mm-hmm. or even specific sounds out there in the world that we don't even know about, like... uh. uh I forgot the name of the sound, but it's a sound that predators release through roars or um, noises that they make through their vocal cords. That sent, uh, it's a, I would say infrasound. I think it's what's mm-hmm. called infrasound. Um, that predatory creatures release to basically paralyze their prey with fear. Like what? it sends automatic uh, shock in your head. I want to talk about that and how there's one theory behind a famous cryptoid involving that. Well, I think too. Uh, psychics in general have a lot to do with sound, like the ringing in the ear. Yeah. The, um, I'm trying to think if I hear any specific. You also talk about, I mean, uh, auto clairvoyant. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I could get you a lot on of that subjects cause... about sound. Looking forward to, uh, this week. Yeah. And I can also talk about too, like hearing, hearing things before certain things happen. Yeah. Like, uh, I'll give you a teaser. I had a image of a girl, um, that came yesterday. She was not like a girl. Like this was something disguising itself, like approaching me as that. And right before I started hearing a music box go off and I kept hearing it and kept hearing it and kept hearing it. And then I was like, okay, like, who are you? What is this? Right. And um, that's when, like, the vision started coming, which I'll go more in depth in the next episode. But also, I think, too, there's also angelic tones. Like, I think I remember reading something where, like, if you hear a flute or a harp, that's connected to, like, angelicness. Mm-hmm. All right. And angels, in a sense. Uh, what's our big uh, announcement for this week? Roundtable? Yeah. Yeah, Roundtable is coming out Friday. October 1st, um, and it's going to be on YouTube first because we don't want to like overpower you guys with content. Uh, content because this one's going to come out Wednesday. Our, another weekly episode on sound is going to come out Friday. So on October 1st, You're listening is Friday. To this episode on Wednesday. Yes. yes. Sorry. Uh-huh. Weird. Um, <laughs> We're not recording Wednesday. Yeah. We listen to this Wednesday. Yes. So it's Wednesday for them. Yes. Yeah. So Friday is going to be the sound, but it's also going to be on YouTube. Um, the the video. Table. You'll actually see like the video 
part of it. Yeah. Um, so on YouTube, you're able to watch the roundtable. Um, and also a new episode on the sound will be released on, of course, the podcasting. And then the podcast version of the roundtable will be released when? Uh, that Monday, the that next Monday. Monday, the following Monday. So right. I think it's the third. Yeah. So yeah, that following Monday. So that's what we're going to do for the remaining roundtables. I don't know the dates off my head, but it's basically like, I think it's like two weeks and two weeks. So there's going to be one like the 14th or 15th and then like one right before Halloween. And the one before Halloween is the psychics. And then the second one is the second part to that. Um, for anybody that doesn't know what the round table is, basically paranormal investigators came together on the episode one. There was four, four teams. Well, not teams. They were like four individuals. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just really good. Like you guys, it's good content. So mm-hmm. yeah, watch it. Yes. Um, I also would try to have a, uh, as soon as we get, Every person we want for bonus episodes for the month of October, we'll make the announcement for each person and uh, when the date of the episode yes. to come out. Um, but yeah, lots of to look forward to in the next couple of weeks in the month of October because that's a spooky month. Yeah. Yes. Um, as always, guys, you can check out our social media at Hidden in the Sh- or our Instagram at Hidden in the Shadows Podcast or uh, Twitter at Hidden in the Shot Six, TikTok Hidden Hidden uh, Sorry Hidden in the Podcast Two. Um, or you want to link to all our social medias, go to hittingtheshadowspodcast.com. It has links to all our social medias, links to where everywhere you can listen to us, and also a link to our merch store where you can buy a shirt or two. Yes. Um, also, if you're dealing with anything paranormal and you need counseling, advice, or even us to somehow get to you or anything like that, you can uh, contact us through uh, through ours or DM, DM us to Hidden Shadows or directly to our paranormal uh, investigation team, which is Shadow Walker Paranormal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shadow Walker Paranormal at, on, at, uh, on Instagram. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's just there if you need any uh, help and then with to spirits our and such. Halloween episode will be almost like a collaboration with, um, even though we're part of the team. Oh, we're like, talking about a live investigation? Yes. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of parts to it. Um, there'll be a live that will go on like while we're investigating. Um, also a like video footage of us going and investigating, kind of seeing like what we do. Mm-hmm. And then a, an episode, an actual like Halloween episode where we sit down with the rest of the team and we go over the evidence and like how we felt and all of that stuff. And we'll even share some EVPs in the actual episode. Sounds if we like get them. I mean, I'm saying EVPs. We normally it's get likely. Yeah. yeah. We normally get them. Not I'm to brag, like, but for yeah. some reason, when you get a lot of psychics together in an investigation, there's the EVPs and paranormal activity is heightened. Yeah. So, um, we'll add those in and stuff. So last stuff to look forward to, you guys. Yeah. And as always, we'll catch your widows in the next one. Yeah.